Well, if you turn in your Bibles to the book of John, we continue our study in the book of John that we began at the beginning of last year, John chapter 10. Our passage will come from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. A very familiar metaphor that Jesus uses in he being the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Comes immediately after... The events of John 9 in which Jesus heals a blind man who was born blind and there we learned that it was neither he nor his parents who had sinned, that sin was not the direct cause of his blindness, but that God might be glorified even in his blindness. Jesus heals him. He comes to know Christ in faith as well. And we come to John chapter 10, and the conversation continues in verse 1. The text reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owners of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. 
this commandment I received from my father. A division occurred among the Jews because of those words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon-possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? Let's bow together to a word of prayer before we begin our study once again. Our Father, what a blessing it is to come and hear your word. We pray, Father, that your spirit would illumine our minds and that you would open the eyes of our heart. We might see great and wonderful things from thy law. In Jesus' name, amen. Bill Donahue is an author, along with Russ Robinson, of a book entitled Building a Church of Small Groups. And he tells an incident of he visiting a couple of his students where they lived. The students had a father named Tom. And Tom asked Bill if he would help him call in the sheep. He owned a farm and He enthusiastically agreed. Sheep calling was like preaching, he thought. He watched the 25 sheep just out there grazing. Go ahead, Tom said. Call them in. And Bill said, what do you say? He said, well, I just say, hey, sheep, come on in. No sweat. Thought this is just like preaching class, 75 yards down. And he began, he was going to call them and Tom said, well, look, they're 75 yards down the way. It's downwind. They have their backs to you. You've got to use your diaphragm. Just belt it out like they teach you in seminary. And so he took a deep breath, and he flexed his muscles, and he yelled all the way down, hey, sheep, come on in. They didn't move one bit. And Tom smiled sarcastically. He said, don't they teach you in seminary? Have you ever read, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me? And he only raised his voice slightly and he said, hey sheep, come on in. And they all trundled towards him like obedient sheep. And he said to Bill, now don't you ever forget, you are the shepherd to my kids. Shepherds have a great responsibility to care for their sheep. Real-life shepherds have a great responsibility, as Jesus uses this metaphor here, because sheep, real-life sheep, are often very, not very intelligent. They're basically defenseless. They're prone to danger. They're prone to calamity. They are often attacked by predators. And in Palestine, the metaphor of a shepherd that Jesus uses here is very, very familiar to them. The people would have been intimately familiar with shepherds and what they do. In Israel, there's a plateau, a very large plateau, some 35 miles long, some 14 to 17 miles wide. And on that plateau, it is very rocky, very stony, not very good for farming and growing crops, but is very adequate for pasturing and leading sheep. They have a very hard life, shepherds do. There's often times difficulty in finding adequate grass. They had to lead the sheep where they could find grass and water, and there's little protection on that plateau when they would take their sheep out there. Sometimes the sheep would 
walk too closely to the edge and fall into a ravine or fall into a crevice and the shepherd would have to go by and pick that sheep up and make sure that they are safe and sound if they're hurt, to bind their wounds. And not only were sheep in danger to themselves by their clumsiness, but they were in danger by predators, by wild animals, by those who would be wolves. They were in danger from thieves and robbers, as we see here in the text. And so the shepherd needed to be constantly on guard for the safety, the protection, the health, the well-being of the sheep. And so the metaphor of a shepherd was well known among the people. They knew what it took to be a good shepherd. And they very well knew what sheep were like. They very well knew the scriptures as well in the Old Testament where in Psalm 23, the psalmist declares, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But Jesus here in this particular text delineates a big difference between true and false shepherds. True and false shepherds. Then he shares about the fact that he is the door as well as the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And his words cause the Jews to be divided in whom they believe him to be. So let's look at the differences between the true and the false shepherds here borne out in verses 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, and whenever Jesus begins like that, it is a well-known, well-known idea. Truly, truly, amen, amen, very true. Jesus says, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but, but climbs up by some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Now, for centuries in Palestine, every village would have a common sheepfold, a common sheepfold. And the shepherd would come with his sheep near the evening, and he would bring his sheep, his flock, into this common sheepfold that was shared by a number of shepherds. During the day, of course, after they had grazed them, they would bring them in, and at night there would be this common sheepfold. They would bring their sheep in, and at the doorway there would be a hired hand, and he would be a porter who would shut the door and stay in front of it to guard the sheep from thieves and robbers. And the process by which the shepherd would bring the sheep in was that the shepherd would have a, a rod, a rod or a staff that he would, he would bring his sheep in and at the doorway to the sheepfold he would place his rod right in front at a very low height blocking the sheep from entering into the sheepfold. And the sheep would pile up, they would come, and one by one he would place his rod there, and then he would check each sheep as they would come before that rod. He would check them for injuries or for whatever may be so that they would be part of a safe and healthy sheep. And then he would lift his rod up, and that sheep would go in, he would place his rod back down. He would check every single sheep. And it's important to understand because in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 37, that is the metaphor that God uses when he says to Israel, whom he will bring into his kingdom, he says, I will make you pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. 
That's not judgment. That is God placing his rod and bringing his people one by one. That is the care and the concern that Jesus had for his sheep, that he would care for each one, that he cares for us. To be a part of, by grace, how God would check and be concerned for each and every sheep. And the text says that he would know them by name. Shepherds name their sheep, whatever it would be, you know, gizmo, dropsy, whatever it might be. He would know their name. And he would name his sheep, however it would be. And each and every one was special to him, so he would know which one was missing. The Bible says in verse 4, he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Not only does he care for the well-being of each and every individual sheep, he goes ahead of them. His shepherd is not a rancher that herds up the cattle and goads them on. He goes ahead of them. He goes before them and he knows where he is leading them. The same is true. The Lord leads us. He'll lead and go ahead of you and I wherever God calls you to go. He has been there. He will not tell you to go someplace and not be with you, for he himself promises, Jesus declared to his disciples at the very end of the book of Matthew, go into all the world and make disciples. And he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ cares. God cares about us. He leads us. The Lord has always led, and he will be there it's part of his promises and his sheep know his voice. And that is why sheep, you see, when they bring them into this common sheepfold, they don't get all confused with the other shepherds, whose sheep is whom, because all they need to do is call, and the sheep that recognize that shepherd's voice will come out. Gary Burge writes, quote, The Middle Eastern shepherd is well known for having a personal devotion to his sheep. He talks to them and sings to them. Often shepherds will carry a short flute and use a repeated tune so that the flock has a consistent auditory cue to follow. Jesus notes that this shepherd does not simply lead any sheep, but rather leads his own. That is, just as Arab shepherds today can separate personal sheep from larger flocks by using particular calls. So Jesus knows his own. They can recognize his voice and he leads them. God uses this analogy, this figure of speech. And yet the people who were listening, the Jews there, didn't all understand the figure of speech. It says in verse 6, they didn't all understand what these things were which he was saying to them. It was a metaphor that expressed his care and his concern, his protection of the sheep, his leading of the sheep. His devotion to the sheep that were his own. And we see in verses 7 through 10 that he changes the metaphor slightly, for he pictures himself, he pictured himself as the shepherd, in which he still does, but he also pictures himself as the door. 
He says in verse 7, And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. This is one of the seven I am statements in the book of John. Remember back in chapter 6, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door. He will say too, I am the good shepherd. Notice what Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He says he is the door, not a door, not one of many doors. He is the one and only door by which people will have salvation and life. There are many thieves and robbers, false shepherds, False shepherds, which he describes in these first 10 verses of John. Thieves and robbers who come. And the two words are different. The word for thief is from the word klepto, from which we get the word kleptomaniac, a person who steals things, pilfers things. The word for robber is lestes, which describes somebody who takes something by force. They are there gunpoint to you and steal something from you by force. Now the porter who was at the door of that common sheepfold wouldn't let just anybody in. He would only let those who were shepherds in. So anyone who was not to be there, he would not let in. Thieves and robbers, they would scale the walls. They would scale the walls perhaps at night and they would steal the sheep. And in order to keep the sheep from making a lot of ruckus and noise, many times it was not uncommon that they would kill the sheep right there and then toss the body over the wall or however they would get it out of there. They would sometimes want it for the meat. They would sometimes want it for the wool, whatever it is. Verse 10 tells us the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that is characteristic of false shepherds, those who did not own the sheep. They will try to milk everything they can out of the sheep. Their heart is not for the good of the sheep. Their heart is to take whatever they can. There are three particular things among many that are characteristic of false shepherds, of false teachers. And they include false teaching, They include a life of immorality, and they include greed. False teaching, immorality, and greed. False teachers, by definition, introduce false ideas. 2 Peter describes false teachers in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But false prophets, Peter warns the people, but false prophets also rose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will... Number one, secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Number two, many will follow their sensuality. Because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. Number three, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They will exploit you with false words. False teaching and immoral lifestyle and false words are characteristics of false shepherds. Jesus describes these. All who came before me, verse 8, 
In chapter 10, are thieves and robbers. But for the sheep, they do not hear them. And he says, I am the door. So what is the figure of speech, the figure of speech that Jesus is giving here in this particular passage? Well, some commentators say that the sheepfold represents the church or possibly represents heaven. Well, that's dubious because what would thieves and robbers be doing? Stealing people out of heaven? Stealing people out of the church? The best answer is likely that the sheepfold represents in this particular context the people of Israel. The people of Israel and the thieves and robbers were the self-appointed, self-righteous religious leaders of the day who wanted to steal the sheep away and take advantage of them through their oppressive and legalistic system of religion. Jesus came as the good shepherd who leads them to life and to have it abundantly. And that word means to have far beyond expectation. There were the sheep of Israel, and he was the good shepherd who wanted to lead them to life. Anyone who came through the door himself would have salvation. And that was his call. But this was a warning to the people and a warning to us, too, that there are many, many false shepherds, many false teachers. And that is a warning to us to be discerning in whom we listen to. I remember watching a TV program a number of years ago, and so I looked it up. It was an ABC News clip, November 9th, 2010, entitled, Atheist Ministers Struggle with Leading the Faithful. Quote, I'm an atheist, quote unquote, Jack, a Southern Baptist with more than 20 years in the ministry. I live out my life as if there is no God, said, quote unquote, Adam, who is part of the pastoral staff of a small evangelical church in the Bible Belt. And these two men who have built their careers and lives around faith say they now feel trapped living a lie. He said it was difficult to continue to work in ministry. Quote, I just look at it as a job and do what I am supposed to do, he said. I've done it for years, unquote. There are some who are like that. I remember seeing the interviews and they feel trapped because their family believes in the truth, their family believes in the scriptures, their family have, has placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, and their family would be devastated if they found out that they have now turned against God themselves. And the sentiment of a false shepherd is like that. They do their job, quote-unquote. They pretend. They have a mask on. That is the word of a hypocrite, to have a mask on. And they are even part of an evangelical Bible Belt teaching church, a, Perhaps they are part of some mainline denomination or whatever it may be. Prosperity, gospel, teaching, cults. Many false shepherds are out there. Many who teach others. There are marked differences, though, between true and false shepherds. How Jesus tenderly cares for his flock, how he leads, how he teaches them to life-giving pastors. He leads them while false shepherds say, as this false teacher did, I just look at it as a job and do what I'm supposed to do. 
And that one distinction that Jesus points out comes in the second section in 11 through 18. A true shepherd will lay his life down for his sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Remember the metaphor that was given before, how Jesus called himself the door? Well, every day when the shepherd would come, remember those common sheepfold in the village, he would take his sheep out. He would take his sheep out on this large plateau or the area where they could graze and he would find some grass here and he would lead them to peace and he would be attending to their needs and he would lead them and sometimes it was far away. And sometimes he wouldn't have time to make it back to the village or to be close to another village where he could take his sheep. And so they would spend the night out on the plateau. And out on the plateau, sometimes by a hillside or whatever it may be, there would be these makeshift folds or he would create one out of stones, waist high or so. He would stack stones to make a pen. Or sometimes he would do it near the side of a, of a, of a canyon or whatever so that it would provide some safety. He would stack stones about waist high on the top. He would place uh, thorns and other brush so that wild animals could not easily climb over. And he would have his sheep come in to that makeshift fold. And in that makeshift fold, he would have one door. And on that one door by which the sheep would come in, he would lead them all into that safe area for the night. And then he would lay down in front of that door. He would lay down so that his life would protect the sheep. He was not going to let any wolves in. He was not going to let any bandits in. He was not going to risk the life of the sheep. He would give his life for them. In fact, if there was a calamity, if there was a calamity such as an attack by a wild animal, the shepherd was required. If he did not himself own the sheep, the shepherd, the genuine shepherd was required to produce evidence, to produce evidence of his defense of the sheep. Amos 3.12 says, Thus saith the Lord, just as the shepherd snatches from the lion's mouth a couple of legs or a piece of an ear, or Exodus 22.13, If it is all torn to pieces, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn to pieces. A shepherd who had lost a sheep due to a wild animal attack would be required to bring a leg, to bring an ear, to bring some part of the sheep to show that it had truly been attacked by an animal and not that he had decided to have barbecued mutton that night. A hired hand, though, would flee. A hired hand would leave. A hired hand would run when the wolf comes. He wouldn't risk his life for the sheep. One who would lay down his life, surrendering himself for the sake of the sheep. He flees. That type of surrender of one's life, of giving up all, is what Jesus did for you and for me. He gave his life that we might live. 
That is why also I've admired many missionaries over the years, their sense of self-sacrifice, their sense of surrendering all, their sense of giving of everything so that others might come to know the Savior, their sense of giving up the comforts of life, the coziness of family, perhaps friends, and giving up of finances are all secondary to the salvation, the safety of those whom God would call, and I appreciate them very much for that. The hired hand, when danger comes, when risk comes, when the cost is too high, they run. Mercenaries take off because the situation might be too hot. There's no loyalty, no responsibility, no allegiance. They take what is good. They take what is good and then they leave. That's the legacy of some, especially as we've been sharing about, we're beginning to share about in Sunday school about those who are part of the prosperity, health, wealth, prosperity, gospel movement. The drumbeat that they say is, God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and prosperous, so give it. Give it all, the seed, faith. Give it all to God. He'll give you back 100,000 times fall back. And when that doesn't happen, what do they do? They blame it on the person. Oh, you didn't have enough faith. It's not our fault. God does. Look at me. Look at how wealthy I am. And it's your fault. You don't have enough faith. And the person walks away discouraged, dejected, rejected. Their false teaching and sin quickly spreads, leaving a trail of carcasses behind. Christ, on the other hand, gave his very life for us. He said, I am the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my own and my own know me, even as the Father knows me. Literally, the text reads, I am the shepherd, the good one, the good one. He's a good shepherd. It's not like how we use good today in colloquial English, you know? It's not like how people say, it's all good. You good? It's good. That means you're fine, you know? Don't worry, you're good. That's what we use it as. But Jesus is much more than fine, okay. Good is from the word kalas, meaning good intrinsically and morally. Good in every aspect, meaning good, best, excellent, beautiful. He is the good, supreme shepherd who cares for you and for me, who is most excellent and praiseworthy, who will lay his life down for the sheep. He sacrifices his life for his sheep. And he calls, as he does, all to himself. He unifies the sheep. For he says in verse 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. You know, the sheepfold was those of the people of Israel, but he was saying, you know what? There are others. There are others. Those are the Gentiles that I have called, predestined to come. And when I call, they will hear my voice and they will come. They will come. They will come in response to the gospel. They will come to know me and be saved. Jesus came that he might give life to those whom he has called, those whom he has predestined, and they will come. And he does this in full obedience to the Father. Verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life for the sheep, so that I may take it up again. This commandment, verse 
18, I've received from my father. He does what his father has commanded to him. God is pleased. What a shepherd, isn't he? He cares. He calls. He protects. He provides. And that's the kind of shepherd that we want. One who will be there. We admire those types of people, don't we? We admire those types of leaders. We hold them in high regard. The captain of a ship who makes sure that everyone on the ship is saved before he is. He gives his life for the crew. The father who lays his life down for the protection of his children. Willing to die for them. The shepherd who is willing to surrender his life for the sheep. The people's response is typical of anyone who would be presented with the truth claims of Christ. In verse 19, a division occurred among the Jews because of his words, it says. What was their response? Division. They'll either accept him or they'll reject him. Some were inclined to believe because they saw his signs. Notice that they say, you know what? Can a demon, can a demon can't open the eyes of a blind person, can he? He wasn't trying to impress them with his miracles. He wasn't trying to show off. They believed that the Messiah was going to come. And when they asked him for a sign, the book of Matthew Chapter 16, they asked him for a sign because they believed that the true Messiah would come in a grandiose fashion and do some big sign that they would not be able to dispute and some sign in which they would be able to say, hey, this is amazing. Look what he did. He made the temple rise up and twirl around and go back down. But Jesus did signs in which he met needs, in which he showed that his words were validated by his power. Out of compassion, he healed people. Out of his love, he provided for them. Because he cared, he fed them. He met their needs. Others were saying that he was demonically possessed, though. Others were saying he was demonically possessed because to them it was nonsensical. It was ludicrous to them. And by the time you come to chapter 10, they were so incensed with Jesus. They were so angry with Jesus. This would have been at least the fourth time in which they tried to kill him. This type of thing makes people angry when you say Jesus is the only way. As he himself says here, Jesus wasn't one to pull punches, though, in his presentation of who he was. Jesus was one to tell them the truth and let the chips fall where they may because God is the one who is going to take care of all of the consequences. And that is a lesson for us as well, that we share who Christ is, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Christ. And we let, we let the consequences and leave them up to God. And people will be divided over Jesus. Don't expect everyone to accept him nor everyone to reject him. Jesus is our good shepherd. He is the one who gave his life for you and for me. He is the one who protects and provides. He calls and knows you by name. He cares for you. He loves you. He walks with you. And he feeds you his word. That is a comforting truth, isn't it? When I was a teenager, I'd often sing 
because songs that I learned as a child would often bring peace to my own heart as I'd walk home or wherever it may be. And one hymn or song that I remember the words would go, in God's green pastures, feeding by his cool waters lie, soft in the evening walk my Lord and I. All the sheep of his pasture fare so wondrously fine, his sheep am I. Waters cool in the valley, pastures green on the mountain, in the eve, in the evening, walk my Lord and I. Dark the night in the valley, rough the way, on the mountain, step by step, my Lord and I. The good shepherd is watching over his lambs day by day, guiding their footsteps along the rugged way. Little lambs are his special and most tender concern. His lamb am I. That is a good shepherd who says to us in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is the good shepherd. And within his fold there is peace. Within his fold there is protection. Within his fold there is provision. I don't know what your life is like. I don't know if you've had a difficult time. I don't know if you've had an easy time. But whatever your circumstances are in life, the shepherd of your soul will care for you, will protect you. He will be there for you. He will walk beside you and lead you down in green pastures. The problem is sometimes we fail to look to the shepherd. The problem is sometimes we have wandered away from the flock and within his care, though, he provides peace, protection. If you never have had that peace in your life, if you've never responded to his call, the call of his voice to come to know the Savior, I invite you to do so today. May you know the good shepherd is watching over his lambs day by day, guiding their footsteps along the rugged way. Little lambs are his special and most tender concern. His sheep am I. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask, O God, that you would look into each and every person's heart that is here. Father, you know the anxieties and the worries and the concerns. 
You know, O God, if some have been wounded, if sin has entangled some. You know, O Father, their struggles. You know, O Father, their needs. And I pray, Father, that you, God, would remind them of your care, of your love, of your protection. For you are the good shepherd. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.